Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikuma. Today is the final day, at least of this week, of our training camp tour. We've gone all across the United States, had a lot of really great guests so far this week, checking in on the first-round quarterbacks for the 2021 NFL Draft. We talked about Trey Lance, we talked about Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, and we saved the best for last, or at least we saved number one for last. Today we are talking about Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. But it's not just Lawrence. We're also going to talk about Travis Etienne, Tyson Campbell, Walker Little, Andre Sisco, some guys from last year, CJ Henderson, get a LaVisca Chenault update. It is a young, exciting group in Jacksonville, and we're going to get to the bottom of exactly what we can expect this year from these guys and where Urban Meyer has this team going moving forward. All right, and as we head down to Jacksonville, we reintroduce a friend of the show, John Shipley, who covers the Jacksonville Jaguars for the Jaguars Report. He has been all over the live tweet scene, basically giving you every single update there possibly can be on Trevor Lawrence. And so that's why, I mean, he had to be my guy to bring in and talk about what's going on in Jacksonville. John, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, man, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, lo- love coming on as always. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Appreciate the kind words. So you have, I feel like, taken a total pride in making sure you are owning the Trevor Lawrence updates. And I get it, right? I mean, Trevor Lawrence is the most exciting thing to happen in Jacksonville in a long, long time. But how has he been? Because this was this is the golden child, right? We, we, an- we anointed this guy number yeah. one overall before even his his final season at Clemson. And so a lot of hype of him coming in. How has he looked so far early on in training camp? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's been days where he's, you know, really looked like, you know, that next big thing at quarterback where it seems like, you know, not a single one of his passes lands wrong, where every single pass, you know, has the exact perfect trajectory, exact perfect landing spot, and he just completely torches the defense. And then there's been other days, uh, like on Monday this week, he threw three interceptions and won 11-11 period. Uh, you know, obviously uh, never ideal. Uh, two of them were, uh, you know, miscommunications. But then he came back in seven-on-seven in a later 11-on-11 period and, you know, threw strikes down the field. So I think, you know, there's been moments where he's been up and down. But I think that even his down moments have been above average. And I, I, I truly believe that his, you know, peaks – have been something that the Jaguars as a franchise haven't ha- haven't seen really in totality because so just some some of those that he's made throughout camp even on even on his bad days even on Monday when he threw three interceptions he still made a stellar throw downfield to you know Marvin Jones that day so even on days where he's not at his best he's still been incredibly impressive and the vibe I've gotten from at least what I've seen and the people I've talked to is that he's been you know everything that they uh, essentially hoped he would be. Do you think that at this point, and I I know it's obviously early, but, you know, the NFL is such a different breed than college football is. And is, is there any sense at all with these Jaguars players that, like, man, we're out here, like, everybody can't stop talking about this rookie, like, it's not about the team, like, it's about Trevor Lawrence. Like, is is there any of that talk whatsoever, or is it really 
the whole team. Do, do you feel like a lot of guys on the team, coaching staff included, are truly rallying around this guy, buying into him and all that? I really don't feel like it's that it's the kind of scenario where like an individual is kind of being placed on just a, you know, completely different level than everybody else. I think, you know, and he's had to earn his stripes, you know, really as a rookie, like you would expect any other rookie. And, you know, they have veteran leaders on this team who I, I would say, you know, their voices right now carry just as much weight, uh, if not even more than Lawrence. I think, you know, really the guy they've kind of rallied around, at least in my opinion, is uh, Urban Meyer. You know, he's a guy who his tone and his voice have, really completely you know defined the franchise and everything that they've done you know for the last several months but when you got on the field you see that especially I mean just for somebody who saw you know two years of Doug Marone practices compared to this year's training camp it's just clear you know what kind of uh you know imprint that he's had really on that organization so I would say there's one person that you know the team is kind of you know putting at the precipice it'd be Meyer as opposed to Lawrence at this point I'll, I'll have you expand upon that a little bit because when we had you on for our guest mock draft series a couple of months ago before the draft, we asked you a little bit about covering Urban Meyer and what he's been like uh, during podium sessions and, and just the things that he has done since he took the head coach job with Jacksonville. Now we have the draft that has obviously unfolded. You've got a little bit more of a summer offseason, and now you've gotten the chance to see him on the practice field as a head coach, you know, you listen to him every day at the podium after practice. What's the update here with Urban Meyer? I, a lot of people have, have had a lot of question marks with him making that jump from college to the NFL. Does he seem overwhelmed at all whatsoever, or does he feel right at home being back on a football field? In my opinion, the times that Meyer uh, has struggled and probably will struggle as an NFL coach is going to be that you know, February to kind of April, May time, you know, mm. the personnel decisions, you know, are, are the, I, I really think once, you know, they're actually getting the football, I really don't think there's as much of a concern. I, I am just from everybody that, you know, really all the different coaches who have talked about the experiences that, yeah, you know, there are differences between the two levels, but at the end of the day, you know, if you're a high level football coach, you know, if you can do it in college, at the end, you can likely do it to some degree in the NFL and everything I've seen, at least in person is, you know, they've had organized practices, you know, they haven't had, you know, really any major disruptions, any major issues. And, you know, from all the words of players, they feel as if it's a more competitive camp than they've been at in years past. And it feels as if it's a camp that's gotten them better than, than in years past. And I mean, just the energy is, Last year was truly kind of a flat energy training camp, you know, sure. really day in and day out. It kind of felt like, you know, that season of impending doom was coming. And this year, you know, it's been different. Now, that might not result, obviously, in wins or losses, but I really think where Meyer will probably look his best is on the practice field because that's where things are going to be closest to, you know, really what he's known. That makes sense. I'll ask you one more question about Lawrence before we move on to some other guys. What does a successful season look for him? Is it you know a certain amount of yards you're looking for him to throw for, a touchdown-interception ratio, or maybe it's something that can't necessarily be quantified? What does a successful season look like in your mind for Lawrence as he goes into this highly anticipated first year? Yeah, I, I think really what you want to see from Lawrence at some point by the end of his rookie season is you want to see if he's able to elevate, you know, the people around him in the offense. And if he's able to, you know, turn bad situations into positive plays and positive developments for the team. 
I mean, you know, really the Jaguars, their last couple of quarterbacks have kind of been defined by the surrounding pieces because they've been so limited. You know, Gardner Minshew, Nick Foles, Blake Bortles. Well, Lawrence, you know, obviously from a physical and athletic standpoint is dramatically different. But throughout his rookie season, you want to see if he can be that quarterback who can make the offense better, the quarterback who, you know, who can lead lead them up from a couple of scores down later in the game that, you know, unlike in years past when they would go down by 13 points and kind of just assume the game was over. So I think those are the kind of things that you want to see. And you, you just really want to see that the game isn't too big for him at this point. Uh, in terms of touchdowns and those kind of things, I, I really don't think there's a number you can put on it just because, I, I think with how different this season is going to be, both in terms of the extra added game and the fact that the Jaguars, their offense really might be more balanced. And I think people might presume, you know, just looking at their wide receiver depth chart. I know a lot of people think they're going to spread out a lot of time, but I really believe they're going to, you know, a lot of 21 personnel, and a lot of running the ball. Hmm. All right. So that's a perfect transition actually into our next guy. It felt like, Urban Meyer really wanted to pick Kadarius Tony at 25 at the back end of the first round, but Kadarius Tony is gone. He was already off to the New York Giants. And so Meyer makes the selection of Travis Etienne, who is another speed demon kind of player. And after the draft, man, I was just very intrigued by a lot of the quotes that he had. And if I misquoted in any way, uh, let, let me know. Feel free to correct me. But it seemed like he, Urban Meyer was saying, you know, at the very least, Travis Etienne is going to be like a third down back. You can use him as a wide receiver. It felt like they have a lot of flexibility to use him in a lot of different areas. Obviously, James Robinson was a 1,000-yard back the year before, and so they have him coming back. They've got Carlos Hyde as well. Where does Travis Etienne fit in this offense? Not even just in the running back room. Where do you see him making the biggest impact for this team? Yeah, no, he's been extremely active as a pass catcher throughout training camp. And that's not even to say, you know, kind of the those – tweets that people kind of took and ran with at minicamp of him playing some receiver during minicamp you know it's not to say he's playing you know exclusively out wide or anything but whether you know it's been as a running back or anything really he's caught he's caught a lot of passes in training camp and I really do think they're going to make him a focus of the offense just because he has that kind of home run speed that you know they don't really have present very much otherwise on the roster you know DJ Chark has a good 40 time but guys like Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chanel, James Robinson, all really talented players, but none of them are really, you know, guys you consider, you know, dynamic home run, long, long speed type threats. And so I, I really think that they're going to do their best to get ETN onto the field as much as possible. I, I think he's going to have a, not, not make that comparison at all between them, but I think his role is going to be Camara like in the sense that okay. I don't think he's going to get a, in, in outrageous amount of touches, but I do think he's going to be primarily a running back who does go out wide from time to time or who, who is used a lot in the screen game. But I do think most of his time will be spent in the backfield. I saw a couple of your tweets over the last week highlighting two players who were drafted in the day two range. One of them was Walker Little, the offensive tackle out of Stanford, who had a high pedigree to him, was a five-star recruit, Was yeah. you know thought he was going to be the next big thing at Stanford, suffered some injuries, didn't get a lot of playing time there, but still got selected in the second round. And then Andre Sisco is a safety who just was an absolute playmaker at Syracuse. At one point, led college football in takeaways over a two-year period of time. And so, Tell me, what's the update with those two players? I, I was not expecting much from Walker Little and Andre Cisco in year one, but apparently they're standing out in camp. 
Yeah, no, there's been uh, zero limitations to Cisco at camp in terms of, uh, you know, his recovery from the ACL injury last year. And uh, the, the thing with Cisco that, you know, a lot of people don't, uh, you know, really didn't remember is that his ACL injury was kind of a freak injury. You know, it happened during pregame warm-ups with him and another player collided. So it wasn't, you know, something that, you know, he had been a long-term, you know, type of suffering guy. And he's, to this point, you know, he's looked like the athletic, rangy playmaker. Uh, you know, he's obviously still looks like he's kind of getting his sea legs in the NFL, but he's made more plays as camp has progressed. And like I said, uh, from, from day one of camp, he's been a full go. Uh, hasn't been limited uh, as a participant in any way. So for any of the concerns, you know, the draft process and you know even the Jaguars said you know it's kind of a wait and see but for any of those thoughts that he might not be ready to start the season or start camp uh, those thoughts have you know really kind of effectively been put to bed and as for Little he's a guy who the Jaguars they really believe if not for uh, the COVID-19 pandemic kind of throwing a wrench in last season's football plans with the Pac-12 that Little would have been a first round pick and likely a high first round pick he's you know a couple years removed from his injury so he's been completely healthy for almost a complete year now and it's shown on the practice field he's been in my opinion he's been their best lineman in camp wow Uh, he's been running as the backup left tackle behind cam robinson but i would put him and jawan taylor up there as their two best players on the offensive line in camp so far he's just every every single one-on-one rep he's dominated He's done, you know, fantastic in teamwork. He 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 looks like he can match speed rushes. He, his anchor it looks honestly significantly better than I anticipated. You know, he's kind of just standing guys up and stonewalling them at points. And every review, you know, from the Jaguar staff has been, you know, glowing. Uh, George Warhop, their offensive line coach, said in June that you know he's he's had eight or nine, you know, second or first round offensive tackles, and he thought Little came in, you know, as ready to play as any of them just from what he saw in minicamp. And then Meyer said yesterday that he thought Little would be good, but he actually thinks he's been better than he thought he would be. You think uh, you think Little's got a chance to push the starting left tackle job with Cam Robinson there, or do you think they're going to settle for the experience? Well, how open do you actually think that job is? I do think that they're going to actually give him a chance to win it because I think if you preach competition over and over and you have a guy who's just flashing that much, I, I, I think it would send a bad message to the team in general if you're not giving him a legitimate shot to win sure. the job. Whether he can or not, that's that's up in the air because, you know, again, you know, he hasn't had as many reps against, you know, the Josh Allens of the team you know, or, you know, the Roy Robertson Harris's. You know, he's shut down guys like Caleb on chase on, but he still, you know, hasn't yet ran with the one. So right now, I think Cam Robinson, who who uh, had a solid day uh, yesterday, second day in pads after a, a bit of an up and down first day. Right now, I would still say Cam Robinson's the favorite, but I I really don't think they drafted Little to have him not play for a third season in a row. I I think at one point or another by the end of the year he's going to be playing. I I think he's too. I would argue he's their second most impressive rookie at this point after Lawrence. You mentioning Caleb on Chason's a good transition into some second-year players that I wanted to ask you about. The first one is LaVisca Chenault. We talked about LaVisca Chenault a lot on this podcast. Ben was a huge fan of LaVisca. And, and, you know, I was, I think, a slow-ish start last year with the 600 yards, only five touchdowns. But he had 79 targets, and this guy was kind of an all-around player. I thought at Colorado that was going into the NFL. I think he was nursing an injury before his rookie season as well. So when you look at LaVisca, is this setting up to be a big breakout year for him or is it still going to be a little bit of time before we maybe get the full offense towards LaVisca Chenault? 
I would say to this point, he's been the most consistent and most steady receiver from day one of camp to now, just in terms of the guy who every single day, you know, you look at your notes and you say, okay, this guy's made a big catch. I can't remember a day where Chenault hasn't impressed in some way or facet. Wow. And I, I, I really believe that the Jaguar staff is uh, as high as him as, you know, people would really hope to believe, if not higher. And I, I, I would say that, just with the way this offense is probably going to be designed, the slot receiver is going to play a big role in it. And I think with his skill set, you know, he, he has such a, as you know, kind of a rare skill set that it's kind of hard to find a comparison for him just because he's so big, but also so shifty that he's a guy who can win kind of at all three levels of the field. And I think they're going to utilize that. So I, I would say, you know, that big role for him is actually coming this year as opposed to later. So what about the cornerback room? Because, you know, they drafted C.J. Henderson last year. He had some injuries last year, and I know he's going through a little bit of injuries here in training camp as well. But they also signed Shaq Griffin. They've got Trey Herndon. They drafted Tyson Campbell. They have Sidney Jones as well. How does this cornerback room really make sense? I know I guess you can't have too many good corners because it's just such a premium position in the league now that offenses are spreading guys out so much. But... At some like at some point, some of these guys aren't going to be able to play. How, how do you feel like the cornerback room is going to shake up for what they hope to be week one, and then maybe what it could evolve to midway through the season, maybe just in the short term future? Yeah, re- really. My I, I I agree with you, and really, my two thoughts on that are: I think the Jaguars view the cornerback position as probably one of the most volatile in terms of staying healthy, and you know, I think C.J. Henderson. Uh, you know, his bout on the COVID-19 list uh, throughout the entire duration of training camp to this point. I think that's a good example. You know, when they drafted Tyson Campbell, uh, obviously a lot of eyebrows raised. Now that you see C.J. Henderson hasn't practiced, you know, in the first seven days of training camp, didn't practice in the offseason. Now a pick like that makes more sense. And that's actually, you know, really the case that Meyer made for the pick afterward is, you know, that we that their defensive secondary was so worrisome last season that they, one, wanted to add a good number of pieces in terms of quantity, and two, that they believe there are so many injuries that happen at that position just overall in the NFL that they wanted, you know, able bodies to come in and step up. And I, I think that's truly why they also re-signed Sidney Jones. I, I, I think their ideal plan was to have C.J. start across some uh, Shaquille Griffin uh, on week one with Tyson Campbell uh, inside and then Sidney Jones and Trey Herndon serving as the top backups. But just until C.J. Henderson does, you know, something on the field, you, you know, he, he, Ur- he Urban Meyer has yet to see him really perform once. So until he sees something along those lines, sure. I would guess Sidney Jones would start outside of Shaquille Griffin. And then you're going to see Tyson Campbell and Trey Herndon uh, in the slot. Oh, that makes sense. All right. Any other, is there any other training camp notes, young guys or old guys that uh, we didn't get to during my questions? Cause I, I had to ask you that before we got you out of here, if there was anything that was really sticking out because sure. your, your training camp notes have been so detailed. I wanted to make sure I gave you that option. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Well, uh, you know, for, uh, it, it seems like, you know, there's been a new ETN highlight each day. And because of that, I feel like a lot of people have asked, you know, what about James Robinson? But he's another guy who's had a good camp, you know, especially since pads have come on. He's broken off long runs, and he's made a couple of nice grabs. That I just think he has that balanced 
skill set that's really going to benefit him in this new scheme in general. And I think that, you know, they're going to rely on him, maybe not as much as they did last year, but I still think he's going to be a real focal point of the offense. There, there hasn't been anything to this point that has made me think that he's not going to be a big part of what they do. All right, there we go. Don't sleep on James Robinson. Even with Travis Etienne, he's telling you not to sleep on him. John Chipley, everybody, go follow his work over at the Jaguar Report. He covers that team inside and out so very well. John, thank you so much for joining me once again, my friend. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it, man. That's all the episodes for this week, folks. I really appreciate everybody listening to all of the different episodes that we had this week. Next week, we're getting right back to scouting. I'm going to have a lot of other guests all throughout next week, getting back to scouting these players. It might not be the exact same format of the summer scouting series. I'm still going to try to play around with that a little bit, try to get you guys the best information we possibly can as training camp rolls on in the NFL, as we get closer and closer to the kickoff of the college football season. I want to make sure that we're previewing and getting a lot of different perspectives on this entire class, both offense and defense. So we're getting back to scouting. It might look a little bit different, but I promise you, we're going to start talking about all these guys, the top fives of these position how deep each position is some other guys who might be our favorites some sleepers going into the season it's going to be awesome until then you guys keep it locked right here on locked on nfl draft